Psalm 113, please. Psalm 113, which, if you care to know, will be week 179, an hour, or hour 123 and 40 minutes. So 123 hours and 40 minutes, and 179 weeks, and it's always worth just putting that down as a statement of fact to show that you can get a lot of good stuff from the Word of God. Lord God, please bless today's live service. We give you thanks for this past week's outreach. We all got back safely, uh, slightly under par at the moment, but we pray for your blessing over today, this coming week, to push on and do greater things for you. Please bless this service. Bless those that are listening in live from the US, the UK, and elsewhere. We appreciate the time zones are different, and some of you got up very early this morning in the US, so God bless you all and those in Australasia and the Far East and parts of Europe and elsewhere. We pray you get a blessing this morning as we break down this very brief psalm. And we pray for this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. So Psalm 113, according to one of my reference Bibles, uh, through to Psalm 118, was traditionally linked to Jewish worship uh, with the great feasts of Passover and Tabernacles. And it goes on to say at Passover, for example, Psalm 113 and 114 were sung before the meal and 115 to 118 afterwards. So as always, a lot of history when it comes to the Word of God. And here we are, some two and a half thousand years on, attempting to read this particular psalm and break it down and get a great blessing. We certainly pray so anyway. Let's start, if we may. In Psalm 113, verse 1, Praise ye the Lord. The term is Alleluia. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. We are servants, not slaves. The new Bibles change the term servant to slave. They think they are doing uh, the Lord a good service, or they think they're doing the church a good turn, which of course also feeds into Lordship salvation. We are servants, not slaves. Praise the name of the Lord. So Christ is called Lord. He's called Rabbi, he's called Master, Teacher, the Alpha, the Omega, Emmanuel, the Lord Jesus Christ. He has many names, and if you speak to certain groups, they like to make quite a commotion when it comes to descriptions or names of the Lord. For example, the Jehovah's Witnesses will say, you have to call him Jehovah and nothing else. Of course, that won't do, because of course, in the New Testament, if you read through it very carefully, the term Jehovah isn't found once. Praise ye the Lord. Amen indeed I say. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord, in the context, Old Testament saints, but it's the same for today. Praise the name of the Lord. So also Elohim, Yah, Jehovah, El Gabor, El Shaddai. He has many names, of course, so don't just limit him to just one name or one description. It's always worth taking the time to examine the scripture to see what it says about itself and also his self. Verse 2. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Keep blessing him, keep praising him, worship him, take time out of the day to spend time with him, to speak to people about him. The more you do that, the less your problems uh, will, get, uh, will get on top of you and you're free, you, you will feel free and able to breathe. Praise ye the Lord, praise O ye servants of the Lord. Serve him, worship him, make time out for him. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. From this time forth and forevermore. Keep 
elevating him, get a sign if you're able to do so, or get a speaker phone if you're able to do so, and just travel from A to B, or get some bumper stickers if you feel bold enough to do so, and just drive all over the all over your neighbourhood, and people will soon notice you, and that's one way of blessing him and glorifying him. Look at verse three, from the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. So verse one, name is found verse 2 it is found verse 3 it is found in the name of jesus every knee will bow every tongue will confess that he is lord and i mean lord to the glory of god the father and on top of that he's put his word above all of his name rising of the sun unto the going down of the same so from dawn to dusk the lord's name is to be praised if you've been saved for a period of time you know how good it feels to be saved you have an inner peace you have a purpose to live life is good it may not always be easy or straightforward or not or it may be complicated at times but it's good amen you feel good for being saved and you go into the streets or you speak to your friends and family or neighbors or whoever it may be or brothers and sisters in the lord and they bless you and you bless them for me i get a great blessing just reading the scriptures i sat down yesterday morning started to read the gospel of matthew i want to do a study on matthew 24 in a week or two's time and i'm just refreshing my mind that's what's found in the book of Matthew. A lot of good stuff in there. And for me, just 25, 30 minutes, I get a blessing. I feel like I'm coming to life again. And that's one way that I bless the Lord. A verse to praise him, verse 1, and do so uh, from dawn to dusk. Verse 3, look at verse 4. The Lord is high above all nations. So in a sense, out goes patriotism. Out goes uh, worshipping politicians and what have you. And his glory above the heavens so verse one lord uppercase being jehovah and verse two lord uppercase being jehovah again and verse three lord uppercase being jehovah this is the most high this is the one true god and verse four the lord all uppercase is high above all nations 200 plus nations and his glory above the heavens worship him he is worthy to be worshipped let's break this down go to john 17 so this past week we got back from doing an outreach like i say in the north of england it was a short outreach but a good outreach great fellowship with our small family in christ and god bless you if you're listening this morning some of you are i know and uh fellowship was good meals were good accommodation wasn't bad uh conversations were scarce but it's all good you understand of course and after getting back from an outreach the outreach we did some street work i think it was friday actually and a former Jehovah's Witness came over to us, sort of strolled over to us. He sort of befriended us. And uh, it's pretty sad in some ways how much damage cults do. I'll explain it, for, uh, I'll explain it more in a few moments. John 17, look at verse 1. Are these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him in the context of the apostles at this point in time you've got maybe a dozen or so people that are actually saved hard to be sure of course but in the context it's the apostles and this is life eternal that they might know thee the only true god and jesus christ whom thou hast sent i have glorified thee on the earth i finished the work which thou gavest me to do and now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Let's see if he gets his prayer answer. Go to John chapter 12. 
John chapter 12, look at verse 28. Father, glorify thy name. Then came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Go to 1 John, please. 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Look at verse 1. That which was from the beginning, when time began, which will throw back to Genesis 1 1. And also John 1 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, being the apostles, which we have seen with our eyes, eyewitnesses, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life, for life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with the Son Jesus Christ. So eternal life is a person, number one, and it's also a promise, number two. It's what, and it's also who. Keep your hand there and go to John chapter 11 briefly. So this chap came over to us, and he's reading a book at the moment by John MacArthur, of all people. And I said to him, you do realize that John MacArthur is a Trinitarian, and uh, he holds the deity of Christ, as do we. He said, yes, I do believe that to be so. And I said to him, if you don't believe in the deity of Christ and the Trinity of God, you ought to write to him and uh, let him know. And he got pretty upset, pretty defensive, started pointing his finger in my face. I said, calm down. I said, calm down, like a woman getting overreacting, you know, overreacting getting carried away. Because of course I'm speaking to his spirits, I'm speaking to his conscience. And we had quite a debate about the Trinity and the deity of Christ. Uh, John eleven twenty five. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. What is life? It's everlasting life. John 17, 1 John chapter 1. Christ is a personification of life everlasting. He is life. It's not just, I want to come into your life, which is what the charismatics say, ask me into your hearts or bring him into your life. No, he is life. He's everlasting life. He that believeth in me, no works involved, though he were dead, that can be physical and also spiritual, yet shall he live. But in the context, it's those that have physically died. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. There's your rapture passage. Believest thou this? And you better say, yea, Lord. Verse 27, go back to First John. That which was from the beginning, when time began, which we have heard the apostles, which we have seen with our eyes, the twelve, the seventy, and more, which we have looked upon. Think back to when Christ was incarnated. You've got Jehovah God becoming a man, which is astounding. And you've got Mary, a daughter of Israel, giving birth to Jehovah God, raising him, breastfeeding him, uh, changing his diapers, as the Americans say, or nappies, as we would say, or whatever they had back in the first century, watching him take his first walk and uh, falling and getting back up and falling again. And Joseph, his stepfather, having to produce toys for him or whatever they had in the first century and uh, listen to his first words. I mean, it's astounding. It's the mystery of godliness. For the life was manifested. It was declared. It was revealed. And we have seen it, number one, bear witness to and show unto eternal life, number three, which was with the Father 
and was manifested unto us this goes back to the incarnation we go back to John 17 very briefly and I said to this XJW of 35 and I made that 50 years 50 years I said uh, if you're not careful you will end up on that wide road uh, you may have the blood of Christ uh, correct for salvation and praise God for that but if you reject the deity of Christ and the triunity of God you're guilty of idolatry I didn't say that to him but I should have said that which if you persist in that you may lose your inheritance 1st Corinthians chapter 6 17 1 again glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee as thou hast given him power over all flesh later on Jew and Gentile that he should give eternal life it's a gift you see to as many as thou hast given him and this is life eternal you're looking at it that they might know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent go back to first John he said to me well Jesus Christ is the son of God he's not the one true God I said you're incorrect I said he is the one true God I said first John chapter 5 the same author says the following in verse uh, 20 and we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we might know him that is true and in him that is true also referred to as the Amen in 2nd Corinthians even in his Son Jesus Christ this is the true God and eternal life go back to Psalm 113 the more you study the Lord Jesus Christ the more your world will be blown away in a good way too Amen I mean, I'm just scratching the surface. I've been a believer just 21 years, which is like nothing really in the eyes of the Lord. And uh, the more you examine and study Christology, the more you realize you, you are in the presence of holiness. It's a great shame that people come out of organized religion, amen, but they don't seem to grow. They just seem to sort of skirt around the surfaces. They don't seem to get deep into the word of God. They don't grow. And they think, oh, he's the son of God. That's all. No, he's more than the son of God. He is the one true eternal God. He's not God the Father. I grant you that. He that has seen me has seen the Father. But he is not. He's not God the Father. But he is God Almighty. Praise you the Lord. Verse 1. Praise. O you servants of the Lord. Timeless. Praise the name of the Lord. Many names like I've just said. Blessed be the name of the Lord. From this time forth and forevermore. Alpha and Omega. The first and the last. Which also knocks out Muhammad. There's nobody after Christ of course. From the rising of the sun, S-U-N, type of the Son of God, unto the going down of the of and and unto the going down of the same, pitch of his resurrection, of course. The Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations. Revelation eleven says that one day Christ will get the kingdoms of this world. He will receive the deeds from this world, and he will rule and reign from New Jerusalem and his glory above the heavens even the heavens are not clean in his own sight look at verse 5 who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high who is like him what is like him who dwelleth on high who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth going back to those that arrive in glory go to Numbers 23 saved people and of course they're still sinful through Adam's uh, sin but due to God's grace they are made to be clean so the heavens not clean in the sight of the Lord and in Numbers let's see now Numbers 23 here's a goodie that uh, the Muslims like to use to demonstrate how smart quote unquote they are 
And when they quote this, they make fools of themselves. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man. And they stop there. Comma, that he should lie, unlike Allah, who's referred to as a great deceiver. Comma, or semicolon, neither the son of man, there's Jesus Christ, that he should repent. Muhammad was told to repent seven times in the Quran, but Christ, wasn't never, was, uh, Christ was never told once to repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Well, you better believe it. Let your yea be yea, and your nay be nay. God is not a man, that he should lie. That's the context. It's not in reference to never becoming a man, which he would do so, John 1.18. But it says here, God is not a man, that he should lie. Because of course, all liars have the part in the lake of fire. Neither the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, like I say, that he should repent. Going back to his uh, sinlessness. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Go to Philippians chapter 2. In Matthew 10, it speaks about the Lord not coming back until... Uh, the children of Israel had gone over all of Israel. Uh, let me think now. I want uh, Philippians 2. And uh, the reason for that is, a, is of course, he will. Uh, he will come back before he's, he's, he's gone over the whole of Israel. He will come back, which, of course, is further explained in Matthew 24. This book is laid out in different layers and different ways. It's like a, it's like a play. You go to, see, you go to the theatre to watch a play. You got uh, Act One, Act Two, Act Three, Act Four, or the old uh, cinema days. You have the intermission. There's a break, then you go back after the intermission and you watch the rest of the movie. You got the Old Testament break, New Testament, which of course completes it. And that's why the scriptures laid out in such a way. That you've got to study this book. In fact, keep your hand in Philippians two and go to Matthew eleven very briefly, just to get that point further underscored. Going back to hath he not said? And uh, should he not do it? You'll find many parts of the scripture which give a prophecy about X, Y, and Z. And uh, the town atheist comes along and says, well, it hasn't happened. It must be wrong. No, it hasn't happened yet, but it will. And that's the whole point. It will happen. Uh, Matthew 10. Then we go to Philippians 2. Uh, here we go. Matthew 10. Uh, 23. But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another but verily I say unto you, you should not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man come. Didn't happen in 70 AD. Hasn't happened as of 2023, but it will happen uh, at the end of the Great Tribulation, which if you read in conjunction with Matthew 24, you get the whole picture. But people sometimes are too lazy to study the book. Philippians 2, pick it up in verse 5. Let this mind be in you. Which, was, uh, which also was in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, going back to Christ being the express image of God Almighty, he that has seen the Father hath seen me. Not the Father, of course, but he, he radiates all of the aspects, all of the attributes, all of the glory of uh, God Almighty. Thought not robbery to be equal with God. He wasn't robbing from God when he claimed to be equal with God. John 10 says they took up stones to throw him because he made himself to be God. But made himself of no reputation on the cross. They didn't want to be a part of him. They all ran for the hills. And took upon him the form of a servant. Not slave. A servant. And was made in the likeness of men. 
going back to the incarnation going back to Mary giving birth to the Lord Jesus Christ without spot and blemish and yet as the son of man as a son of Adam if you will as a descendant of Adam he was subject to the laws of nature the second law of thermodynamics uh, gravity toilet breaks hungry thirsty uh, needing to sleep so on and so forth he bled like we all bleed and he wept like we all weep and he needed this and that like we do uh, denoting his uh, humanity but his deity walking on the water uh, feeding 5,000 4,000 uh, raising the dead giving sight to the blind uh, hearing to the deaf uh, healing the lepers that's his deity and that's why if you uh, spend time speaking to religious people who've come out of false religions they are on the road to recovery but they've got a lot of damage done a lot of damage done and it takes a long time to really straighten these people out and being found in fashion as a man fashion uh, like what's the latest fashion uh, a lot of uh, fashion people designers like to copy one another he humbleth himself going back to in fact go back to Psalm 113 he humbled himself and uh when God became a man yes of course he would limit himself and he would go from having everything to in a sense having uh, nothing and uh, Psalm 113 who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven verse 6 and in the earth and Philippians 2 he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross a humiliating shameful way to die he's naked on the cross he's surrounded by mostly Jews his own people making fun of him you've got Gentiles presence overseeing the crucifixion but his own people just uh, completely indifferent and uh, his mother was present as would be a few other ladies and of course the Apostle John let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God the image of God the shape of God thought not robbery to be equal with God great verse for his deity but made himself of no reputation despised uh, Isaiah 53 and took upon him the form of a servant subject to original sin and was made in the likeness of men son of David of course and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death a perfect obedient son he would taste death for every man even the death of the cross go back to psalm 113 who is like verse 5 the lord uppercase our god in the context the jewish god who dwelleth on high the third heaven who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven even the uh, seraphim they have six wings two to cover their eyes two to cover their feet two to fly and even those angels as beautiful as they are are unclean unworthy to be in the presence of god almighty and in the earth going back to the incarnation and uh, christ like i say comes lives dies and he puts up with gentile leaders governing his people governing his kingdom and he sees his mother uh, getting older of course as all women do and he saw his stepfather dying as he uh, as many people have seen their fathers and stepfathers die and he saw those things and uh, his ministry was limited he wouldn't heal everybody all of the time and uh, you've got a picture here of God becoming man and humbling himself 
which is a great picture also of being a mediator fully man able to relate to mankind fully god able to relate to god almighty that gets lost on so many people they say yeah son of god but he's not god almighty if he's not god almighty he can't save anybody don't you get that he has to be god almighty our sins are against god before they are against anybody else look at verse 7 he raises up the poor out of the dust we come from dust and dust we return and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill like a rubbish dump that he may set him with princes even with the princes of his people saul david josiah just three jewish kings plucked from obscurity to become princes jacob means prince and of course jacob or james king james means jacob and this guy got very upset at me over the king james bible he said but james was a filthy man he was this he was that I said, listen what you're telling me is what i hear from lost people coming from the mouths of atheists and muslims and other people you've been radicalized i said i said james's character is immaterial and just for the record he wasn't a homosexual but princes this is a jewish book christ is a prince of princes prince of peace and here you've got a picture of jewish uh princes sons of israel uh going back to verse seven he raises up the poor out of the dust and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill that he may set him with princes even with the princes of his people it's a clear picture of course going from obscurity to uh, a level of uh, popularity in a sense or a christian coming from nowhere to become somebody uh, important or somebody privileged to represent god almighty but in the context as aimed at the jews of course going back to abraham isaac and jacob shepherds not an easy trade and it was despised in the eyes of the egyptians and yet they are uh, royalty in the eyes of god almighty nine he maketh the barren woman to keep house someone like uh, sarah and hannah and elizabeth and to be a joyful mother of children all three would become mothers uh, later of course praise ye the lord so it's a very short psalm but like all these psalms it's loaded with doctrine and it's loaded with great material to pray about meditate on and think about and however you want to approach the lord jesus christ i always say this to be careful uh, to be respectful to read the scriptures and compare the scriptures with the scriptures another problem that these people have ex-witnesses ex-mormons is that they don't believe that the holy ghost is god almighty go to acts chapter 5 very briefly i showed you i've shown you from first john 5 how jesus christ is the one true god how he is a personification of everlasting life picturing his deity of course uh, these people don't question the deity of god the father but they do question it concerning god the son and uh, god the holy ghost acts chapter 5 is a great place to go to it all feeds into this message this morning uh, the glory of god and uh, how he's worthy to be praised and worshipped and how you can pray to uh, the triune god without being guilty of idolatry acts 5 look at verse let's see now 3 but peter said ananias why hath satan filled thine heart to lie to the holy ghost keep that in mind holy ghost 
and to keep that part to the price of the land. Verse 4, whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Now watch it. Thou hast not lied unto men, i.e. myself, but unto God. In reference to the Holy Ghost in verse 3. So verse 3 and 4, the Holy Ghost is defined as being God. And unfortunately, for whatever the reason, the average church in this country doesn't spend time teaching the Bible, like verse by verse. Go back to Psalm 113. They just skim the surface, or what they will do is they'll spend a lot of time with music and praise and worship, which is fine, but they do that in substitutes of doctrine. And that's why if you speak to charismatics, it's all fleshly, fleshly, uh, touchy, touchy. There's no real substance to a lot of these people. And if you, if you explain the gospel, or if you go deep with some of those people, they get very upset with you because, of course, they haven't been taught this. No one's, ever sat, no one's ever sat down and explained the Bible verse by verse to a lot of these people. So praise and worship is the key, of course. You can do that in your own time. But doctrine and studying is for all of the body of Christ all of the time. And that's why we spend a lot of time at our ministry doing these types of recordings uh, verse by verse. In fact, we spent nearly three and a half years going through the book of Psalms, which I appreciate originally would have been sung in Hebrew in and around the temple and tabernacle. But you are told in the New Testament how all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, doctrine, teaching. That includes the Old Testament. That includes the Psalms, uh, Leviticus, Proverbs, uh, Lamentations, even First and Second Chronicles. Those are difficult books to work through. So it starts in verse 1, praise the Lord. And uh, it ends with praise the Lord in verse 9. And God's glory is found throughout this tiny psalm. How he humbled himself. Uh, first coming, not the second coming. And also those that arrive in heaven uh, since the, probably the death of Adam in fact. But going back before him, it says how Enoch was not, for God took him. And Enoch arrives in glory, but he's still got the sin problem. Uh, because of course he's born with a sin nature and God has to clean him up because of course flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God going back to imputation but even with an imputed righteousness even with uh, the Lord cleaning us up giving Adam and Eve uh, skin coverings of dead animals they're still unclean that's why you have to sacrifice your system every year I mean for the Old Testament the saints went up to Jerusalem every year Yom Kippur, as it's called today, Day of Atonement. They still practice it in Israel today. And every year, the high priest was sacrificing and offering the blood onto the altar to cover the sins of the people. You're told in First John to confess your sins. You're told that uh, you're also to confess your faults. You're told to confess your faults, or you're told to you're told to confess your sins uh, to God before you break bread, and you're told to confess your faults to another uh, in order to. Uh, get your prayers answered also found in first peter which goes back to the reality that although we are positionally safe and sound in the beloved uh practically we're still flawed we're still sinful people and that's why you need to spend time in the word of god and in prayer and uh, confessing your sins going back to uh, the fact that we are desperately in need to be claimed on a regular basis but he got a wonderful picture of god almighty humbling himself and becoming obedient unto the death. Thought not robbery to make himself equal with God Almighty. 
and when you understand what everlasting life is, not just a principle, but a person, a promise, a what, a who, and a where, once you get that, it just reinforces the beauty of Jesus Christ, his absolute majesty. And that's why people bow down and worshipped him in the in the four gospels. And uh, if you haven't worshipped him, you don't know what you're really missing out on. He's worthy to be worshipped and praised and exalted because uh, he is the creator of all things. We'll close it there and uh, next week come back and uh, break down another tiny psalm being Psalm 114.